Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. I prefer the meat patty. Of course you do. <laughs> I prefer the meat, comma, patty. Patty Lapone's weird weird uh uh phase where she'd wore a Lady Gaga meat suit all the time. The meat yeah. patty. <laughs> yeah. And herself's like hmm, well, I prefer the meat patty. Like that. That's how that went down. Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theatre Happy Hour. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Tommy. And this is the only musical theatre podcast with Scotch on the Rocks. And period frocks. Here <laughs> we take apart your favourite shows, muddle them together with a shot of buffoonery, and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theatre conversation. Hey Tommy, what are you drinking today? Uh, blue milk. <laughs> Delicious. You really throw that away. (laughs) I have a story about blue milk. Do you want to hear it? How do you have a story about blue milk? Of course, I want to hear it. Okay, two things. First of all, this isn't the story. Um, (laughs) But so I think across the pond, you guys have like half and half and zero percent. Yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different weights. So we have colors. Ew. So we have blue milk, green milk, and red milk. Is it the color in the milk? No, the color oh. of the label. Oh, okay. Yeah, like we do that. Um, but you we... don't call it blue milk, green milk, red no, milk. No, because it's not consistent. Like, you know, Target, oh, okay. Target 2% might be blue, but Walgreens 2% might be green. Ours are so consistent. Anyway, that wasn't that wasn't my story. Um, so, I can't remember why I did this, because I was annoying. As a child, <laughs> I had this like, um, like, I don't know, like sweet that was like a paint roller okay but you rolled it like that was a like candy thing okay uh, and you rolled it through some like sherbet uh-huh right and then you licked it and it was fun sure um like a, 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 was... a fun dip <clears throat> like a kind of like that but a paint roller and a okay. dish just okay. for the novelty factor got it um the sherbet was blue for some reason i decided to put that into the milk ew my milk just as i guess just see what color is and then i just kept it in the fridge now i remember my mom was like oh my gosh look what's happened to this milk oh my gosh and threw it out and i never told her so uh, mom if you're listening <laughs> that was me true confession being, being a brat. Tommy. exactly i'm crying now i'm crying and um, we'll put some like dramatic like <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and your mom's here now Anyway, why are you drinking blue milk? Well, I've got a quiz question to elucidate why. I don't think that's Thank word. you. <laughs> I think it is. It might be elucidate. It might be elucidate. It might be elucidate. We'll anyway. never know. Hades is hopping in New York theater right now. When this show opens later this year, ooh, it's opened. Uh, it will mark <laughs> the third time this Greek god has trod the boards in 2019. What show? Well, Tommy, that now open show is The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical.
the gods are real, like the Greek gods. Like the ones you learned about but weren't paying attention to. Well, they don't pay attention to you either, especially if you're their kid. The gods have godly things to do, godly places they need to see. Yeah, the gods are real, and they have kids, and those kids have There's not enough lighting SFX, actually. Uh, actually, something I want to talk about. Uh. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Is that in... Put that somewhere. <clears throat> sure. Okay. So, The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical, we won't fill the title it all the time, um, has <laughs> music and lyrics by Rob Orokiki, um, who is kind of new on the scene. Yeah, he's done a, the Broadway a, scene. a bunch of other smaller things. I was stalking mm-hmm. his website earlier. He's also, Jimmy, a melodica player. player. Oh, good on him. I support that. <laughs> I, I, went, fully support I went back that. thinking, like, is there any melodica in this show? I, probably. I got to listen for I it. I hope um, so. It's also got a book by Joe Trace, uh, who wrote Be More Chill. You might recognize his name. Mm-hmm. The book um, for As that. well as the very recent uh, series of Unfortunate Events yes, on Netflix. On Netflix. It's is, is great. Jimmy is um, a huge fan of. I am. I am indeed. <laughs> Can't wait for that musical. Um, and, of course, uh, The Lightning Thief is based on the hugely greatly selling I think a book series by Rick Reardon yes um and it premiered on Broadway just what last week as we're recording this October of 2019 uh, maybe yes, two weeks sir. ago um yeah. it's had it's been around for a while it had an off-Broadway <laughs> run which if you've listened to the cast recording you're listening to the off-Broadway recording mm-hmm. and then it did a national tour and now this national tour it's pretty much everyone I think it is I the entire it's the it's like a, cast, yeah. as if the national yeah. tour just sat down on Broadway um, yes. Open for a limited run. It's, it's all the commercials say must close this January. Buy your tickets now. Yeah. Um, so Percy Jackson, specifically the Lightning Thief, this musical. Yes. Uh, you want to talk us through it? Sure. Um, so Percy Jackson, this is you know the book series has become much larger and it covers a much greater story. This is the yep. kind of introduction to this world. Percy Jackson yeah. is a, a, a teenager who doesn't fit in. Uh, he's you know been through a bunch of different schools, doesn't seem to do well in them, um, and discovers early on in the story that he happens to be a demigod, a half blood, as they term them Classic. in this Classic. show. He's uh, the the child of one of the gods, uh, one of the Greek gods. Um, we lear- later learn Poseidon and uh, ends up at this camp for uh, kids in similar situations. And so there's lots of plays on what it would mean to be the half-god child of a god. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, as any good Greek myth has, there's lots of mystery and intrigue. Um, Zeus's lightning bolt gets stolen. Um, also, over the course of the show, at the beginning of the show, Percy loses his mother in a battle with a monster that was actually Percy's substitute teacher. Um, and so Percy goes on a great adventure 
across the continental United States to go to Hades, hopefully to both get Zeus's lightning bolt back and perhaps his mother. Um, they encounter uh, a plethora of... Uh, beasts and... Yes, con- yeah. contemporary justifications for old-timey Greek beasts. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn a lot about Greek mythology. Uh, yeah. Which is, is pretty cool. Um, end up in Hades, which is actually a record company, DOA <laughs> Records. Of course. Of course it is, which is also a line. Um find out Hades didn't steal the lightning bolt. Um, it was a, a grand scheme in order to uh, force the gods into a great war and rain chaos down on everyone and twists and plots ensue. Bum, bum, and then we kind of end, I was listening to the show with my boyfriend earlier and he was like, does it mm-hmm. end on a cliffhanger? And I was like, well, yeah, kind of. Kind of. Kind and of, again, I want to talk about that. Yeah, it's a, a, yeah. an interesting choice. But so it is, far as I know, I've only read summaries of the Percy Jackson books, but it is yep. the first book, basically. Basically, yeah, yeah. There's like little snippets from, or like allusions sure. and nods to future things, but for the most part, the story is exactly the first book. So, um, shall we? Let's shall. Is this real? Am I dead or am I dreaming? Am I underneath the ocean? Or are my eyes just streaming? This is weird. Oh, look. A strange man in a Hawaiian shirt. What belongs to the sea can always return to the sea. It's a seashell. Like I said, weird. Is she real? I must be dreaming. She's floating close to me. Like an angel or it's seeming. This is weird. But a good I've never seen a face as when you sleep let's start with the book yeah so yeah. that idea that we've just talked about there is actually quite an interesting one because mm-hmm. this is the beginning yes of the, a bigger story it's a huge story i mean the the original percy J- percy jackson books there's five of them and then there's mm-hmm. a spin-off series kind of a spin-off series that still features percy jackson like this is yeah. a, a huge universe it's a universe exactly um and so this would be like doing you know, Star Wars and You Hope the musical. I mean, or it, it is kind of like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, the play. Well, we want to be careful about how we say that. Fair, <laughs> fair. It's inflammatory to a lot of people, but in many, many, many ways, there's a lot of comparisons between yeah. the lightning theme and, and Harry Potter. At least to say that, like, you know, we don't get a lot of musicals that are... Because they're not going to make a sequel, probably, I would wager. Um, That would be a a first of this kind. Like, certainly they made Annie Warbucks and, like, Bring Back Birdie, but those didn't do well. Um, Mm -hmm. Best Little Whorehouse. If it was successful. Right. Um, (laughs) That would be the interesting one. And, like, even then, they're just trying to recreate, you know, the allure of the first one, not continue Mm -hmm. the story. The story, Um, yep. But I think that is an interesting, you know, it is the the question of adaptation. Um, like, absolutely. D- if you're, if y- the thing you're adapting is larger than the form you're attempting to adapt it into, what do mm-hmm. you do? Do you put a nice cap on it? And this, of course, was one of the huge critiques of the movie. Pe- fans mm-hmm. of the books hate the movie, um, and the movie changed a lot of things. 
perhaps out of a desire to more closely adapt it to its art form, maybe? Who knows if Mm -hmm. it did it successfully, but that certainly was one of the motivations for the thing. Um, But yeah, like I'm racking my brain right now, and I can't think of a lot of musicals that end on a legitimate cliffhanger not a like you know at the end of into the woods cinderella goes i wish and like you could argue that maybe that's a cliffhanger but like but yeah it is it's a really like to end on an ending that isn't an ending that is very much like you're gonna come back yeah and you're gonna continue like because that is what this it does yeah i mean you know bring on bring on the monsters we're ready for the real world like yeah well that's it like you only meet the antagonist of the whole story yep right at the end of the show yeah and how that's peculiar it's a it's a fascinating structure um it really really is um and it's it's i don't know i find it quite an interesting one i don't know if i dislike it i don't know if it doesn't work or something there's something about it that i'm like hmm yeah i think it's you know what i mean i think it's me ponder because it doesn't fit into some of the cookie cutter plot structure like Mm. analysis buckets we're able to use with other more climactic musicals yeah i think it makes it a little more difficult to talk about you know this is an episodic show we've talked before how like episodic things are difficult to adapt to a climactic two-act structure um and so it kind of throws off you know for me it throws off some of the traditional like just analysis bylines I use to like look at like who is the protagonist where is the inciting action what is the climax like all these things and it's hard to pin those things down in Percy Jackson well it really is because like obviously um uh Rick Reardon Mm -hmm. uh when he's writing the story he has this epic thing in his head he's not thinking I'm gonna write this one book and it's gonna end (laughs) excuse me it's gonna end yeah um he's thinking big scale so you know he's introducing lots of ideas and seeds of characters and things like that yeah and early on that you don't get their payoff yeah and doing the end and doing so much world building and they're different art forms so you it calls for different things in certain ones but I can see how in this show because Mm -hmm. they're trying to honor the book that he's written it causes them to like just motor past some things you know things that are fully developed and like you know really really important bits of the book you got to get in in like a line and a half because that's all the time (laughs) we got we got to make it through the story and we only got two hours yeah i mean they were quite lucky um because it's not the longest book. Yeah. I mean, thankfully. But um, yeah, it's it's a really interesting one. And you're right. It creates some interesting problems as a book writer. Yeah. Um, and most of it, I think, is down to the world building and down right. to the introductions. You know, we really, really don't start the action. Yeah. Or we would what we would traditionally call the action yeah. until the beginning of Act 2. Yeah. I mean, we, like, inciting incident is like, let's go on an adventure at the end of Act 1. And yeah. most of Act 1 is, like, a really extended piece of exposition. We don't really, like, Absolutely. maybe the inciting incident is Percy's mom getting killed or taken to Hades or however we want to define that. But then yeah. still not he doesn't have a lot of agency in doing anything about that until the no. end of act one you know? well it, it, when it happens he doesn't understand why it happens so right. he still needs to get told that whole yeah shenanigan it, it is such a fascinating thing because percy jackson is a very active protagonist this story mm-hmm. you know generally speaking doesn't happen to him as 
analyzed by as a character, but he spends mm-hmm. all of Act One with the story just kind of happening to him. Um, yeah, it's this world that he's always been a part of that he's never really realized. Right, and he it, has been, you know, you know, yeah. And I think we'll we'll <laughs> talk more about uh, the fans. Jimmy's scared of the teens. We can't say the teens a lot in this, otherwise he's gonna uh, crawl under his hoodie ah! and run. Um, yeah, but. You know, I am sure there is an added pressure here, knowing how poorly, like, not how poorly, the movie was critically well-received, but not by the people who read the book. Who loved it, yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. And so there's also this added pressure of, you need to do right by them, otherwise yeah. they're going to drag you. Um, yeah. And so... And, uh, like, to really, to give this creative team their credit, Yeah. that is sat at the forefront of their mind and all of the decisions they've made and i think that's fantastic and i I really really do and i think it shows um yeah you know i think they have done a good job of their goal setting out to adapt the first percy jackson book into a musical absolutely i watched this really like kind of (laughs) weird backwards youtube video Uh um where this girl like extensively uh analyzed the plot of the musical fascinating um and uh, compared it to the book uh-huh. and she did a counter of yeah. like things that they've kept and yeah. things that are correct she called things that they've changed uh-huh. um, and things that uh, are like allusions to other books sure and i think like the final tally uh was something like uh i don't know like 89 percent of yeah. it yeah was from the book um and there was only like 12 percent uh that doesn't add up but sure. you know what i mean but something uh, like that yeah, a small modified. percentage of, of things that were changed yeah. for the musical, which is, as adaptations go, that's impressive. It is impressive. That's I impressive. think the question, and I think this is a dangerous question, is mm-hmm. whether or not that's good. Yeah, exactly. Because then are you serving the art form that you're working in here? Right. Why make are it a musical people... in the first place? Ex- yes. Uh-huh. Because, yeah, if you're just, you know, kind of mirroring and then throwing the book on the stage is that then, are you then getting the best result? Because I, I, one of the things that I, I think about a lot, because yeah. um, I was like, well, what piece of fiction mm-hmm. could get adapted that would cause me to have the same reaction? Sure. What do you hold that, so precious that, that yeah. it would be disappointing to see it done poorly on stage? Exactly. And so for me, I was thinking, well, it's probably as Dark Materials, sure. which interestingly has been adapted for the stage, not yeah. for musicals. Um, but in a play, and it was similar to Curse of Child, actually, yeah. again, coincidentally um that it's in two parts mm-hmm. uh so i've seen it um and it was fantastic but they had to change so much right when i wonder sometimes like we don't in our contemporary like adaptation and happy media world i don't mm-hmm. think we give ourselves a good medium word that's like it's either an adaptation of a pre-existing thing mm-hmm. or i think on the other end of the spectrum we'll have inspired by you know, where like this is vaguely informed by this thing that already existed, uh, yeah. but don't don't come into it expecting what you saw. Um, yeah. You know, d- just because it's on the top of my mind. But the yeah. the new um, like the Newt Scamander Harry Potters, um, right? Inspired by the Harry Potter universe, right? <laughs> Certain exactly. squarely a part of them, but no books exist, right? Um, yeah. And there's not a good middle ground that i can think of mm-hmm. like we you know i would wager i think if, if we're going to answer the dangerous question generally speaking we should be more uh 
amiable to larger adapt larger changes in this kind of adaptation if it serves the art form that it's headed towards. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, in ways that can change the story. Um, yeah. You know, and I think a lot of uh, American copyright law even has you know. Uh, for, forbidden us from doing things like that interesting uh, like wouldn't you know it would be so fascinating to see a more a better imagining of what uh darth vader's childhood might have been like but outside right. of the world of the prequels um yeah you know a different take on what might have been where you're not so beholden to what actually happens to him in the future where you can yeah. pick and choose what parts of the original story you're going to use without fear of retribution from a, a bunch of star wars nerds exactly and i think that's the thing is is it, it i think it depends on the uh the fan service that you're delivering sure um because actually if you think about something like wicked yeah um have you ever read the um i, ha- I haven't but Gregory i know it is different McGuire books in it's so different i love the books i absolutely yeah. adore them um and it's a completely different thing in terms yeah. of tone in terms of plot a lot yeah. of the time you know there's so much different between the two that's um, that's a good example actually yeah you don't really have many like you know gregory Maguire stan instagram accounts right 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 um so that and obviously we're dealing in different eras as well now. Sure. maybe if wicked came out now it might be a different story yeah but um it, certainly you don't have that same voracious vibe right and especially for something like wicked which has its own deep cult status yeah. now yeah but I, um i i wonder if there's something to do to, to your point of fan service. Like mm-hmm. there, there is the spectrum of reasons as to why you're adapting this thing. Um, are you mm-hmm. adapting it because for something like wicked, let's say the story or the core of it or the concept of, you know, the untold tale of the wicked, Witch of the West, right? Mm-hmm. That is an interesting, appealing artistic hook. And so mm-hmm. you want to capitalize on that. Or I would say, in the lightning thief there this is a hugely popular novel and mm-hmm. you want to you know i don't think that's the primary thing i think it's hugely popular for a reason or let's say go further on the spectrum something mm-hmm. like spongebob where you know people adore this character and so you can get them to come see another thing with this character in it yeah um you know and depending upon like which page of that choose your own adventure you're going to follow that has a huge effect on what you keep and what you cut from mm-hmm. the original material and like how mm-hmm. how uh precious the source is or isn't yeah well it seems like um the deep deep fans of this show love the fact it is so religiously yeah sticking to the yeah. text um and uh, kind of go so far as to <clears throat> laud the fact that you know even within its its staging and everything like that they're like it's so good because it's it's creative and i think it comes from that idea of like anytime you read a book you always have a picture in your head of what Mm -hmm. it looks like right and then you kind of want to see it you just want to know if you're right yeah you're like that's you know what i mean that when people you know i would (laughs) apologies for all the harry potter examples but i think the connections are (laughs) it's probably going to keep happening so um enjoy it (laughs) you know i remember that going to in college going to see all the different harry potter movies and being like well that's not what that looked like right that's obviously not what that looked like because i have it Uh in my head Um, exactly and and it's fun that's a fun thing because you're like oh different perspective you know 
like once you you know the uh, a book is quantum it does you know it doesn't exist until you think about it whereas yeah. like once it becomes a musical then you have to have made the choice exactly um but it seems like a lot of the fans are happy because it's not so literal right. almost in terms of its staging yes um so yeah i think we should talk a little bit about the staging absolutely so my dad is some guide that's great i guess did he not want me or not want the stress too bad he's the worst and my life is a mess Oh no, oh yeah, I hope he shows even a trace Cause I've got some choice words to throw in his face Oh, things couldn't be worse when your parents run the universe If you if you if you're completely new to this musical, mm-hmm. um, think of it, or certainly its most recent current incarnation on Broadway. Um, think of it as the things that we've been talking about for the past couple of shows, really enough. In <laughs> um, that stripped back, yeah, uh, hodgepodge, next to normal, fantastics yeah. style. One well, very, I've seen uh, lots of places call it very DIY. Um, DIY, yeah. which I think I've is seen a good. I've seen the words. Uh, cheap and cheesy but sure. used positively yeah so. <laughs> yeah 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 it does there is something about the staging that i think and like the the production design that does mm-hmm. feel like a bunch of teenagers went into their garage found what they could to put this show on and now yep. everything's made out of paint tarps and toilet paper and leaf blowers and scaffolding and yeah. spray paint and you know which is is cool that's a good aesthetic for this show it's a it's a it, really it's, solid choice it is but i think like i don't know i find it quite surprising i find it really surprising because it's so obviously this is how it started mm-hmm. right and it started this because that was the only means that they could do it they have to create this crazy fantasy world right right um and somehow have to so you're gonna think creatively yeah. here yeah right um no that's amazing and that's always so fun to watch and if you're watching like a fringe piece of fringe theater right. you're in some and they're using theater. leaf blowers and toilet paper you're like yeah. that's great i love yeah. that but then when you stretch it out yeah and for the you whole show stick it on that broadway stage well yes but here this is the rub right because mm-hmm. this is what killed be more chill right this is what killed be more chill this is what killed heathers in the west end yep they went big. And Percy Jackson didn't. They made the other choice. The choice that I would say on this very podcast we've advocated for. You know. Uh, you make a good point. Right? Keep, you make a good point. But the, you know, and reviews are trickling out. We'll talk more about reviews later. Don't, don't yes. you worry. Um, but they say a lot of like the what made it quaint and interesting on and off Broadway stage Mm-hmm. now feels not big enough for the glitz and glamour that Broadway audiences want. Um, yeah. Which so, I think is more of critics just never being satisfied. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, so I think it's the the bigger yeah. thing, right? Because 
if you look at something like uh, Peter and the Starcatcher, sure, which is an incredible example of staging, mm-hmm. absolutely miraculous. Um, you know, the whole stage was made from renewable sources. Yeah. Everything was recycled material. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, and they went to town on representative props yes. and, you know, shunning naturalism from all its corners. Yeah. Um, and it was fantastic. It worked so perfectly well. Yeah. Um, it still kept that element of like, I'm just pulling everything out of a box and we're going to create a show. Right. Right. But mm-hmm. where I think... I can kind of see what these critics are talking about mm-hmm. and not, I don't fully empathize with them, but I can, what I think they mean is that you can stay cheap and cheerful, mm-hmm. but it has to be good. Yeah. I is busting it all over. It has to be good. <laughs> I think it has to be clean. That doesn't feel like the best, but you, you, tidy. I know what you mean. Yes. It's just, it needs to be intentional. It Yes, intentional. Yeah, it can't just look work. like yeah. this worked three yeah. incarnations ago, so we're not going to change it. Yeah, I think that is such a hard balance to strike, and I don't. It's I like so because the thing is, is like we are not staged. Just like I don't know how you the yeah. hell you would go about that. Yeah, um, well, and it's such a like because we in thinking about this, I was thinking of uh, title of show, which faced a similar mm. problem. So totally appropriate for an off Broadway stage. Mm-hmm. Put it on Broadway and four chairs and a keyboard. It's harder to make a Broadway musical out of that because tickets are $200 and people have expectations. Exactly. Um, Whether that's fair or not, I think, is somewhat beside the point. Yeah. It is just the the culture we've ended up in. And so, like, because I've I've looked at quite a lot of the production shots and and things like that, and there are bits bits that look cheap. Yeah. And not in a good way. Yeah. You know that, like, there are bits that I'm like, that could do with a bit of spit and polish. Sure. You know what I mean? Um... And uh, I don't know. I think that uh, that would help it a lot more. Yeah. I, I think that in my head would galvanize it as this like really. It's really like, specific. It's really. Yeah. Yeah. Just a bit of like some good, interesting theater. Because the thing is, is like with Peter and the Starcatcher, one of the reasons why it won the Tony Award mm-hmm. was because of its completely innovative staging. It was yeah. stuff that you'd never really see because you always see these phantom-like sets where there's a right. golden elephant, yeah. you know? Um, we're not used to seeing these like really creative ideas, yeah. but they just need to be executed yeah. really well. I think uh. it, it is doubly <laughs> difficult with this show because it is a show predicated on monsters and magic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, which Peter and the Starcatcher is not as much. It is a fantastical world, but they're not like throwing lightning at each other. Um, <sighs> they're not, but like, th- you know, it, it, I, I still think there are. <laughs> I don't know why I'm going up with Peter and the Starcatcher so much, sure. but like, they just did really cool things that were so simple. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I- but so effective. And I think, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I wonder if, when I put my um, tech director hat on, I mm-hmm. wonder if the transition to Broadway would have been helped with a couple moments of actual theatrical illusion, yeah. um, very specifically chosen. You know, whether you you fly someone or you disappear someone or there's pyrotechnics mm-hmm. to be like after we've seen all the DIY stuff and like mm-hmm. by the end of the show it's toilet paper on leaf blowers, but also right. actual lightning, right or whatever that. Yeah, is and like you you watch the imagine like you you blow through the 
just use your imagination, but you've imagined so hard that it has come to real in the theater could be enough to keep it stunning. Just in a couple places, not throughout the whole yep. thing. Um, you know, I wonder if that would uh, satiate some of those critics. But it's, yeah. it is a tough, tough problem. Um, you know, I think it really is because like, it, you know, this, this creative team, they're so proud of what they've done and they absolutely yeah. should be. Um, and I can understand it, if a kind of that kind of kill your darlings element comes into it, right? And also because like they've developed this cult status because of the yeah the staging that they've done. So I can totally see them being like, well, I don't want to change it. Yeah, especially you're right because of things like Be More Chill not going very well. Right. Um, because of Heather's not being able to scale up. Yeah. Uh, I can see them being like, oh, let's stick to our guns here. Yeah. Which is totally fair, but I think it's like think about what the core ideas like why why have you gone small scale was right. it literally a means to an end or is there more of a reason yeah well and that, then look at a, that reason that's such a hard artistic question though right yeah. like does our town feel the same if you add all the props back in right mm -hmm. um maybe i would wager mm. probably i bet you our town is just fine with all the props back in it um mm. It still tells the same story, still feels nice and quaint. You know, I don't, I think the props interesting are missing are an interesting thing. Um, added, add maybe some questions or intent to the thing, but that's not an integral part of the story. But yeah. is iconic with our town. If you yeah. like, if you did our town with props, you'd have people be like, What are you doing? Why are you doing our town? There's all the hand <laughs> exactly. props. What you, that's not how you do that. Um, yeah. You know, and so it is a, a chicken and the egg question when it comes to like, if you did it for a budgetary reason or artistic reason totally. or both, and then totally. once one of those limits are removed, do you retreat or do you stick to your guns? Exactly. So, yeah, like we certainly don't have the answer. I don't even know if there is an answer because I'm sure they'd still try and find things to say about it. Yeah. Regardless, I think it would get the be more chill treatment. I think it would get that this just doesn't work yeah, on the bake. It's such a tough... Um, tough thing and it, it, it's real real tough um so but I, I i must say like the i i really love the idea yeah it's like we said at the start when we started talking about staging like the the idea of making it homemade and making it diy yeah. is cool yeah that's exciting to watch because yeah you are allowed to fill in the blanks right and you are allowed to get creative in your own head with it yeah i mean i think you know, certainly there are parts of the show that I like and parts of the show that I'm critical of, mm -hmm. but I'm so happy that this show is a part of the Broadway family right now. Um, yeah. I'd much prefer 16 more Lightning Thieves over some other stuff. Um, yeah. It, like, it is pushing the envelope in some interesting ways and challenging the ideas of what can be done and what should be done on Broadway. Totally. Totally. Yeah, in fact, I just remember when we talked about Susical, yeah. the reason they were like, Susical didn't work is because you scaled it up. Yeah. So... No, here I've changed my mind. Percy Jackson, good on you for not scaling <laughs> <it up. laughs> But just make that Minotaur puppet a bit better. It's, I know. It's quite poor. It's yeah. quite poor. Well, I wonder, like, I actually wonder if this was the thing, right? They just finished their touring and they just went on Broadway. They're just using all their touring stuff. I don't think they rebuilt anything. Not majorly. I don't think they did either. Um, I don't think they did. Which is, pro which is fine, but that's why it all looks like how it does. Because exactly. it's, exactly. it's been on the road for a year. Yeah, I think I generally just... But just like, just polish up a little bit more. Like, yeah. keep it a puppet. Keep it, you know, people in puppetry. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. But just yeah. shine that up. And, yeah. Oh, it would be good. Yeah. No, I, I agree. You want to talk about music and lyrics? 
Let's do it. Yes, I'm good for nothing at all. The schools in six years, every battle, every day. No one ever tells me that they're proud. No one asks me, Percy, how'd you like to come around and stay? Well, you get our bad grades and a bum rap and a bad rap and a good smack and no friends and no hope and no mom. She's taken away. I swear I never stole anything I never meant to hurt anyone I swear, I swear that I'm a good kid A good kid Who's had a bad run All I need is one last chance To prove I'm good enough for someone I'm good enough for someone I'm good enough for someone Okay, so yeah, to finish our little chapter or mini chapter on the the content of this show. Oh. Um let's talk about the music. Yeah, I this is why th- I think this moment more than a lot of moments is why Jimmy's afraid of the teens. <laughs> it isn't. It isn't. It isn't. It isn't. I no. It's not. It's okay. okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's just okay. It's perfectly okay. Yeah. I want it to be better. Yeah. I mean, I I would say the same. Yeah. And I wouldn't uh, know how to make it better. Yeah. Some more compl- It'd be that classic Because I, f- I Do you know what it is I feel yeah. a bit fatigued Sure Yeah I feel like I've listened to this show f- Like Four years in a row Yeah I agree You know And it's, it's I started It's catchy having and it's listened to, listen to it. Yeah. yeah But having listened to it I started singing Be More Chill And I thought I was singing Percy Jackson mm, Yeah That kind of gives you an idea Yeah I think And this is You know <laughs> For for reasons I think we'll get to when we talk more specifically about critics and the teens. It's yeah. difficult to be critical of the show from an honest place. Um, from a, I am just looking at this. Yes. Yeah. I, I will say, I think the music and lyrics in the show need uh, more complexity. Um, there's a lot, like, every song is filled with end of sentence, one syllable, syllable rhymes. Um mm. There's not a, a complicated or surprising rhyme in almost in the entire show. Um, the one about Mince is really good. Yeah. In um, Son of Poseidon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's one of Aries' lines. Uh, and he says, your mouth's talking trash. You better rinse it. Your meat is minced. I'm here to mince it. Mm, that is good. And there is, I think some of the... Um, I mean, it's, it's not great. But it's not I just great. Quit, like, but the it's good. Mince. I, I think the, the successes of the show... Uh, lyric wise can be found in its meter um like yeah uh like what is it um uh it's in the first song we were we were geeking out on ancient greek at the new york metropolitan museum of art scans mm-hmm. really well yeah. um but we're rhyming art with 
that's when this story should probably start from the line <laughs> previous. And it's not a terribly inspired rhyme. Yeah. Um, but we were geeking out on ancient Crete, the New York Metropolitan Museum of Art. And it's still a little sloppy. You don't need the the in there, right? It would scan better <laughs> if it was. We were geeking out on ancient Greek at New York Metropolitan Museum of Art. So it like doesn't yep. quite fit. And if you listen, they like sneak the the in there. Yes, exactly. Um, but the like that i like that whatever that is like the scanning the meter the you know the rhythmic bits of the show are inspired that's i would say that there's there's another one in the drive and i like an arrow from orion keep on straight and keep on trying that's all right that's That's all right yeah and then and then you have uh stay ahead and don't get dead and get alive um don't get dead yeah, or like, um, do, you, do you know what I was thinking of? Um, have you listened to much of uh, Off Book, the improvised musical theater podcast? Not enough. It is, it is inspired. It's good. Um, uh-huh. I really like it. Uh, mm-hmm. When you listen to, I, I will binge podcasts a lot when I'm like doing work at school or stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And when you listen to a lot in a row, you start to learn. If you watched a bunch of Whose Line Is It Anyway in a row, you'd learn the like improv tricks that they're doing. Like the uh-huh. things that are strategies they're using to let them do what they want to do. And one of, the, one of the strategies they use a lot is like the moment they find a line that might be the chorus of that song, they're going to sing that line like four times. Um, okay. Because then they can repeat it, they know it'll rhyme, and it gives their brain a second to like process and like backload whatever the next joke's going to be, right? Yes. You can go on autopilot for a couple sentences while you plan your next move. Um, yes. Which is a really effective technique in improvised musical theater. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't, it's not terribly interesting. Uh, yeah. it's, well, it's the same thing as like the um, Heidi, 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 right. Heidi, Heidi, Heidi. You know what I mean? It's the, in uh, right. Whose Line. Like it gives it's, you, it's ex- yeah, it gives you a brief, brief second to like buffer in your brain to like get the beginning of a joke, right? To like yeah. claw that out of whatever part of your brain is going in. Yeah. I'm reminded of that strategy a lot in this show, which is not an improvised musical, and so like doesn't have that same excuse. Um, But like all of, I'll put you in your place. I'll put you in. I'll put you in. I'll put you in your place. Um, I don't mind it as much in the campfire song, but it definitely exists in the campfire song. It seems more appropriate for that. Um, Uh huh. You know, the campfire song is almost di 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 in its structure. I actually quite like the campfire song. I really enjoy the campfire song. Yeah. you know, but there's a lot of like unnecessary repetition in this, mm-hmm. um, or like you can tell you just added an extra word in there because you're trying real hard to get the next line to scan, and mm-hmm. like, you know, that's robbing Paul to pay Peter. Um, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I think yeah, the the repetition thing, and that's certainly something I've been noticing a lot of. It's like it's becoming quite a contemporary trait. Yeah, um, of like. It's almost turning into like sort of pop music style. Yeah, exactly. Where it's you've got a hook yeah. and you're pushing your hook as opposed to you're telling a story. Exactly. The, kind of the storytelling halts. Yeah. Yeah. For you and to Don't get make me wrong. Well, well, hello, Dolly. Like it's not you know, it's not as mm-hmm. if it hasn't happened before, but this does seem to be a different flavor of it. it yes. Uh-huh. It, it's one of those things, it's like not bad could be better. Yeah. That's how right? I feel about a lot of the lyrics in the show. Yep. Um, now, there's a couple I want to point out and sure. just talk about little things. Uh-huh. The first one is, so in uh, DOA, mm-hmm. which I think is a bop. Yes, absolutely. 
the orchestrations are fabulous well done um so one of the lines is uh get your kicks cross the river sticks mm-hmm. now how well do you know the frogs by stephen sondheim <laughs> uh, surprisingly well and i do actually <laughs> recognize you know what i'm talking about yes absolutely so the very same character yeah a different incarnation yeah uh sings the words uh get your kicks on the river sticks which i think is absolute genius because of the type of character that the karen character in the frogs is yes that he would say that line yes um when that first when they said that there i was like i don't think that was an illusion yeah i don't i don't, I don't think, think that it's was an, a nod to stephen sondheim i don't think i think it's an accident you know but i mean well i just my opinion on that <laughs> is when we are working in a canon like musical theatre, mm-hmm. something as iconic as Get Your Kicks in the River Sticks, mm-hmm. right? No, yeah. iconic in the sense, I mean, we're talking about frogs. I like, know, right? Who knows the frogs? knowledge of the frogs is very yeah. limited. But it's still a Stephen Sondheim musical. Sure. And it's still, you know, it just be careful. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. And also, um, the character of Hades and the representation of Hades mm-hmm. in this show isn't a million miles away from the representation of Hades and the frogs. That's fair. Yeah. If Hades had a number in Percy Jackson, Uh it might sound a little bit like Hades. Yeah. Like the character is actively based on um, uh, Paul Lind. Yeah. Which is pretty close to what it is. Yeah. It's very close. Like, yeah, which is an that interesting... kind of camp effeminate. Yeah, like, you know, I had you know that up. Which does, you know, I wonder, like, humans are less creative than we think we are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, uh, Hades and Hercules ain't too far off. Is he's camp? He's but camp. He's not. He's, he's not. not uh, he's, he's not, not Paul in camp. But there's still, you know, that's only one or two steps to get there. Um, Mm-hmm. Hades in Hades Town is not. Um, no. So, although, can you imagine if he was? That's a funny <laughs> I would musical. love that. That'd be, <laughs> That'd be great. Why do we build the? I don't know. I don't know what that was. I'm gonna take that back. <laughs> um, but I do. I do wonder. You know, that we had two wild parties at once. Like how? Mm-hmm. How often? Well, the frogs were written in the seventies. That's, so that's fair. That's fair. That's, that's fair. Point. Uh, no, I. I mean, I'm literally. I'm slightly curious, but it was just something that really stood out to me, and I was like, "Huh? Yeah, someone should have told you about that." I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it's such. A and good if line, it is though. an illusion, great, but make it more noted that you're crediting. Yeah. King Stephen Sondheim uh, about his great light. I just because I love the line so much. I laughed so much when I first heard that. Yeah. It's a, because it's, it's a, ridiculous. A good funny line, which makes it context. hard to cut for whatever reason you put it in. Yes. Um, the other one I wanted to talk about briefly mm-hmm. is, uh, again, weirdly, in um, Son of Poseidon. Mm-hmm. So, and this, this kind of feeds into what we we're talking about earlier about sort of complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, it is something that I've been reading a lot about recently. Um, and it's writing... Uh, in a character's voice yes. and i don't mean like you're writing for a bass or you're right you know what i mean i right. mean like how do they talk yeah what words do they say yeah um now i don't know the books so sure. everything i'm about to say could be completely you know ridiculous and it it doesn't make sense because it all gets explained away in the books yeah but all i do know is the content of the show and what would make sense in the right. content of the show right yeah um so the character of aries mm-hmm. is a god Mm-hmm. Right, he is a god. Um, Hades 
in Lightning Thief, also a god, mm-hmm. kind of speaks with this booming voice. He's quite commanding. The yeah. dialogue that he says is, you know, proper. It heightened. Uh, yeah. Heightened. Um, Ares comes in and uh, sings the line, I'm going to wipe that stupid head off your stupid face. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. Now, what that is, yeah. admittedly, is as a callback mm-hmm. to what his like daughter, I can't remember her name, like Clarissa or Clarice mm-hmm. or something like that, yeah. um, said in I'll Put You in Your Place. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm fine with that because father, daughter, that's great. Right. And you're mirroring but, that. Yeah. But it, yes, it makes sense for Clarice to say, to say that because she's a kid. Right. doesn't make sense for her father, who is a god, yeah. and let alone the god of war, to say, I'm going to wipe that stupid head off your stupid face. Like, yeah. you could do something <laughs> better. Yeah. Now, what would be cooler is if, you know, just maybe change the word stupid, make something better there, and then give that to Clarice, and then have the callback going that way. Right. As yeah. opposed to her setting the tone that her father then has to resemble. I don't know. It just, yeah. I was like, I don't believe this. I don't, I don't believe Ares to be any sort of threat here yeah. at all. I um, wish they... Because I feel the same way about um, <laughs> Another Terrible Day in Dionysus. Um, they, right, okay. There's not... And I enjoy Another Terrible Dionysus, Day. Dionysus, another character from the Frogs. Just, uh, <laughs> uh, well, they call him Mr. D, so... Um, which That's I don't true. think they That's do true. in the Frogs. Um, no. But they... And, mis, you know, Dionysus is perhaps the first god we meet... At least over the course mm-hmm. of the show, if, that we that we certainly like is like out and out. I'm a god. Hey, right. Yeah. Um, and sets us up for this thing that like, you know, the gods are real, but they're not what you think, right? Dionysus mm-hmm. is this mm-hmm. cranky, cranky old man, um, who mm-hmm. is just so upset at his life. Um, mm-hmm. not almighty and powerful, but is just here being punished. Um, and in a like one of the important conceits of this show is the separation between gods and demigods right yeah there are gods they're real they do things and then there are their kids the demigods who have all these angsty teen issues Mm -hmm. and doing something to separate those things especially in a show where they're all played by like the same 10 actors um like to do something to be like i am a god now as opposed to a teenage demigod yeah could be a really useful distinction um and they don't. They don't. It's just. It's just. Now, uh, the thing is, is like so. Ryan Knowles, who's the guy who plays it, mm-hmm. um, in the Broadway cast, um, yeah. and it was Jonathan Revive who did it in the Off Broadway cast. He's and actually the person who plays. I can't remember her name. Um, the person who plays his mother, mm, as well uh-huh. as uh, Karen and the Oracle. Yes. Really, really good character actors. Yes, and do, you know do I mean? lots of distinction between the different characters they're doing. <clears throat> yeah. Absolutely do. And, and and I really like that. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. But the, um, I don't know. I just feel like there's not enough distinction no, between, between uh, the look, Aries. Well, no, that's not true. I take that back. That isn't true. I don't think there's enough distinction between... Um, uh, the demi- of- You're right. It's the demigods. It's when they're playing... Yeah, that's yeah. it. It's when, when they're playing the kids and when they're playing the adults. Exactly. Um, which is the... the- you know that is the the thesis of this show, right? That is totally. core to why people like this show. This, yeah. These books, this story, um, that there there are adults and that there are kids, and the adults yep. are gods, and the kids have to deal with their fallout. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I mean, 
I'm now thinking, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm, I actually do have a point because like, obviously the portrayal of Poseidon mm-hmm. is quite odd because he's kind of like a laid back surfer dude. Right. And maybe that's the thing. Like maybe we're playing up like the gods are real, but they're not these giant statues that you think, which is also yeah. a conceit of this show. Like the gods are real and you know, your, your principal might be a, a centaur. Like, mm-hmm. Because then, like, if that was the case, if they were just kind of like arc more archetypal, right, and they didn't have to carry this weight, then the Ares character might be a bit better because he just sounds a bit like a petulant boy, right? But I don't know. There's just you do like Ares needs to sound different from Clarice's daughter. Mm -hmm. They they just do like they need a different voice, as you said. Yeah, it just it needs to have. I don't know. Like, if we need to believe that these gods are so powerful enough that they can get away with doing whatever the hell they want, right? Um, then they need to have gravitas. Like, and I yeah. think you believe it when it comes to Hades. Yeah. I want to believe it when it comes to Ares, who is kind of you know screwed up as like the first antagonist. Right. Yeah. When it's important that he's got some power there. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I might again. I might be splitting hairs, but it's just something. I think writing in a voice yeah. is really important, and I don't know for like the certainly the sub characters if that's as yeah uh, if it's apparent. done as well as it could have been. Yeah, exactly. But it's a lot. I mean, when you've got as many characters as they have, right? It's actually quite a lot of work. Yeah. Oh yeah. To find different things. It's not easy. It really, really. Yeah. And absolutely. To, bounce back and forth between it all um totally you know, it makes you take a lot of shortcuts i think necessarily yeah. so mm-hmm. um but before we move away from music i do want to talk about some things that i think are great sure uh and that is the songs the good kid and my grand plan yeah okay what do you like about them i think they're lovely i think they're lovely uh solo numbers yeah um that have nice little messages to them yeah i think you know what i mean and i think they're nice and complete and still serve the story but stand out as a huh that you know that's really nice particularly my grand plan yeah they are the i want songs of both those characters they absolutely are i wonder because we hit let's see good kid is one two three four five six seven eight nine songs into the show um Like, I wish we got there faster. Yeah. I really do. And it's, we kind of, like, it's one of those things, like, the idea of the good kid yeah. and his we frustration get, kind yeah. of comes through in strong. Yeah. When yeah. he's singing with his mum. But him actually, you know, going out and being like, no, this is how I feel. Right. And for such a great way of putting it. Yeah. It, it could kind of come earlier. Yeah. Obviously, they needed the whole inciting incident of the yeah. the oracle prophecy and the the bolt being stolen and all that. Sure, that but there's all there's <laughs> there's all other exposition moments they take that they don't need. Um, yeah. Like the the whole thing starts with like, "Hi, I'm Percy Jackson. You might be wondering how I got <laughs> right. here, exactly. right? Like my life is pretty crazy." Um, which you don't need. You don't need any of that. I would wager you don't even need. Although I think it's a good song, but the gods are real. Like mm. we don't. We don't need. You're, we're, we're gonna. We're gonna get there. Like that's an mm-hmm. assumption. Like we could start right. We could start halfway through that song, just with the day I got expelled, 
bit. Yeah. But we don't hit yeah. the day I got expelled until halfway through. And then most of the day we got expelled, like all the little in-between monologues he takes that are, um, uh, you know, uh, soliloquies to the audience, mm-hmm. we don't need. We don't need. Cut them. Trim. Cut yeah. the fat. Get it done. Yeah. Let's get let's get to let's get the let's go on the adventure in the middle of Act One and start it. That's in, it. And then leave us on some cliffhanger at you know, blow up the bus before intermission or something. Mm-hmm. That yeah, it's just like you you you're racing through act like act two is yeah. a whole road movie in one act. Right. And we you don't know? we don't really need, although it's a great song, another terrible day. I don't need I don't need character development about Dionysus. I know, but it, yeah, I, it gives is, us like an, it serves the purpose of describing the camp, which is your world. Like that's your right. world building song. Yeah, and and it it sets up the camp and do it in half the time. You know, put mm. you in your place. Like sets us up a little bit. Like introduces a bunch of the characters, um, and like lets us see a little insight. But yeah. you know, so does the campfire song. Um, mm-hmm. Like we're we're it it drags. It really does. Yeah. Um, I wish um, I think I think I really want to read the books, yeah. or certainly the first book, and try and do a song spotting exercise just to sure. see if I would make any different yeah. well, decisions. Because w- it could be that actually this is the pacing of the book. Sure, but then that goes back to our original question. Like, it absolutely does. Is can you kill your darling? Yeah. Yep. Is that serving purpose? Um, but no, I think um, my grand plan. Yes. Beautiful. Song. Is a really is a really really love song, and this is where I'm like. Percy Jackson, I like you more than Be More Chill. Yeah. Because well, it's got really strong, important female characters. Yeah. Hooray. <laughs> At last. Yeah. When I think that is, you know, I, I I was telling Jimmy before we started recording, I talked with some actual real life teens about this mm-hmm. show um, this weekend at school. Um, actual real life teens sounds hilarious. But go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it does, you know, that's the core of why the books are popular too, right? Yep. This kind of like... Kids have power and problems, and their problems are real. Um, mm-hmm. And like it is, it is what makes talking about this show kind of dangerous. Because as thirty somethings, we're out of our lane. Um, mm-hmm. This isn't about us or for us. Nope. Um, and you know, we're on the other side of the demographic that the show is supposed to be about. Um, mm-hmm. Which makes all these shows, this one, Be More Chill, I Would Wager Even Beetlejuice, um, mm-hmm. this kind of trend of youthful, youthful musicals, uh, a difficult thing to analyze when yeah. you're not an actual real-life teen. And you're saying, yeah, when you're not a real-life teen living right now. Yeah, exactly. It's a different world, yeah. you know what I mean? Um so yeah, that's why I think my grand plan is actually really good. It's about an intelligent gal talking about her ambitions in life yeah. and is being very unapologetic about them. I'm like, here, that is nice. That is a lot better than mm. I love play rehearsal. Oh fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we're saying on that. I've always been a tough girl. Always been the one not to run from a fight Always been a tough girl Cause most girls never win if they're polite So me, I tend to stand my ground I found I never can give in
so here we've started we've started talking about themes we're talking about feminism yeah. so let's progress <laughs> let's progress um I, I actually think right yeah as much as they force feed a lot of the themes sure uh right from the get-go there's actually quite a lot of stuff in it that i think is more unwritten yeah that's fair and whether that is intentional or right. a byproduct of adapting it from a book yeah who's to say yeah. but um yeah just to, to kind of talk about themes now i laughed i laughed at this today um when i was listening to it uh-huh but it is um the lines yeah the gods are real and they have kids and those kids have issues <laughs> issues and i was like i feel like it's that snl sketch I, that's exactly like a high school drama wow feminism wow it does so, it does feel yeah. kind of like that but that's you know that's for that's it seems minimizing to say this sentence and i don't mean it that way but that's where kids uh-huh. are at you know, I completely and utterly, but it's there's a strange there's a strange tone to it because like it's it almost sounds like Trey Parker, Matt Stone are mocking kids because the next lines are Daddy doesn't love me and Mummy is a god. Mummy can't protect me and Daddy's a god. Mummy is too busy and Daddy is too busy. Busy, 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 busy being a god. Yeah. Now, like it just sounds like issues, issues, like very like Mummy issues, Daddy issues, wow, 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 like right. very flippant. Yes. Yes. And not intentionally so, because this no. is important for the show. It's it's really like the key, like the cornerstone. So are they being like, "Hey, we know that we've all got daddy issues and stuff." Like, right. let's be fun about it. But then we're going to hammer home that plot, and that's really actually the significant. I don't right. know. There's just I got weird mixed messages in that number. Yeah, and it doesn't ever really because all of the <clears throat> gods are caricatures. Um, mm-hmm. They're not, you know. The, the most real-life working adult we meet is Percy's mom, and she dies three songs in. Um, right. Like, we, we don't meet gods with, you know, like, oh, long day at the office today, you know? Yep. Which is kind of what it's trying to set you up for. Is mm-hmm. like, but that's not where we end up. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it just, I just find it really funny, because I was like, I don't know if this is serving your story. I don't think this is helping you in any way. Um, or certainly for the adults listening to it. Right. Um, because I think that, yeah, that's the thing, is like, the the adults' kids thing. Yeah. Is, to me, that's, that's the core. Yeah. That is everything, that, everything else is orbiting around this. There are adults and there are kids. Yeah. And there is a disconnect here. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know, I just find it, I, don't, I find it really tricky yeah um because i don't know if that's the theme of the books sure and i don't know if that is why it's tricky yeah um the kind of case study i want to go through here is the character of luke okay so again for those of you who don't know the show luke um is the son of hermes mm-hmm. um and he is one of the counselors at camp half-blood and he supplies the the gang with a pair of like winged shoes um which later try and 
drag like, them betray them to, yeah yeah that betrays them and it kind of hmm, what's going on there and then right at the end spoiler alert uh we find that actually luke yeah uh is the lightning thief he's all the, along and he's the big kind of bad the one at the end set, of the game <clears throat> yeah he's set all this into motion um and he's that that antagonist that we meet right at the end of the story and we yeah. never get a, a climax there um but actually i think luke is one of the most interesting characters in the whole piece oh i would 100 percent agree I'm really glad. I'm really, really glad because he is the one that I'm like, can relate. Well, no, not can relate, but can see your complexity. Yeah, he he is for sure an antagonist, but not a bad guy. Exactly. And now that is very much in the books. Yes. You know, he, by the, by the fifth book, he comes around and, you know, helps save the day. And, sure. and absolutely. Um, but you can see it right here yeah. in the musical. Um. I feel like you know that he isn't the big bad or certainly you can be like, I get where you're coming from. Right. Because I completely agree with him in yeah. everything that he says yeah. in that uh, final song. In Last Day of Summer, when Percy finds out uh, the big mm. plot, um, he Percy says uh, to Luke, he's using you um, meaning Kronos, mm-hmm. I, I won't get into who he is in the, the plot, uh, to get back at the gods. Right. Um, and Luke says, good. Uh, I've been here since I was a kid. I did everything they ever asked. And for what? Yeah. Uh, and it's like, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think you're totally right. Like, it's, it's, um, it reminds me of T-Moon. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Pulling okay. all these things out of nowhere. But yeah. uh, this idea that here's someone who is kind of devoted their life right. to trying to find an answer from, you know, again, gods. Yeah. Uh, and the gods just don't care. Yeah. And it's like, well, what do you expect me to do then? Right. You no. Know? What am I to do with it? Am I to still go on serving you? Yeah. Even though... I'm getting nothing out of it. Like I'm not finding answers. Right. You know, I've tried being good. Right. And that um, has does that amazing reprise actually to give. Um, yeah. Rudiki is, uh, is yeah. credit that amazing reprise of good kid. Yeah. Which um, is so beautiful in that moment. Really, really is. Um, very, very poignant. Yeah. And this, that idea of like, it doesn't pay to be a good kid, a good right. son. Yeah. Like if you are someone who, uh, comes from a broken family mm-hmm. i am sure those thoughts have gone through your head at some point uh, where you're like i think if you're you're any kind of teenager you know are you there is the question of are you going to be a percy or a luke because mm. everyone you know everyone has parent problems of yeah. of different degrees but because yeah. when you're a teen you know all you know is your own world and so they are your whole world mm-hmm. and then the question becomes like, how do you, you know, do you please your parents? How do you please your parents? Do you live the life they want you to leave, regardless of whether or not they're good people? Um, mm-hmm. And like this show introduces the idea of like not not a lot of, uh, well, the sentence I was gonna say was not a lot of uh, uh, literature geared towards teens goes into like a, a, a you know bad parents thing but i retract mm. that statement i mean i think disney I think has created a, yeah. a foundation on <laughs> missing your non-present parents um yeah but the you know this is i think this feels something different it's not entirely deadbeat parents it's that 
They mm-hmm. are complex and flawed. And, and, you know, I think, like, the th- one of the unspoken themes under this whole thing is, like, mm-hmm. you know, the all the gods are are having kids via drive-bys like yeah you know which they they lampshade and don't uh talk about that much i mean i think percy's mom says like and after some time you arrived um <laughs> right like <laughs> you know we don't we don't need to get into it um uh-huh. but there's the implication there uh totally uh, yeah i forgot where i was and going it, with that <laughs> But no, I I just think it's it creates for a really interesting character because um Annabeth uh yeah. has quite an interesting backstory mm-hmm. in the sense that she didn't really get on with either of her parents, her uh, I think it's her birth or stepmother, mm-hmm. birth father, mm-hmm. um and her I think her godmum is uh, Athena. Athena, yes. It is and one of my more she, favorite lyrics <laughs> in the thing. She's sworn off gluten and she's sworn gluten. off guys. <laughs> <laughs> she would Athena, classic uh, but yeah so she runs away from her family when she's really young mm-hmm. um and finds her way to camp half-blood uh and we never really get that's all we really get is like i was unhappy and so i run away yeah we don't get to the meat about why yeah she's unhappy you yeah. know um and i feel like with um with luke here mm-hmm. it's like we're just starting to scratch the surface about the issue that a lot of these kids have and it's like right i i want to follow that story yeah yeah i like, mean i, I, I want to see one, what you can do it's one of the successes of this universe is you want to know more about it mm. you know i want to hear more about how everyone got to where they are yeah at, at, you're, you're completely right because it's you know the idea of like it's our turn to tell the story now right it, it makes sense like yeah it, it's a story that that doesn't really get told in in detail. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm wanting here. Is I'm like this this the kind of refrain that Luke sings. I'm like you're you're hitting on something here mm-hmm. that's actually worth discussing. Yeah. Um, and then he leaves. Right. The and stage then that's it. And, and then that's the show. Yeah. And I'm like we. And then we talk about like well, time to fight the monsters. And yeah. I'm like who's who's the monster here? Yeah, I think it's a good, I don't know. This is something I felt a lot in this year. Uh, mm. You know, I don't I don't want to get too deep into politics and how screwed yeah. up our world is. But there is a, a certain undercurrent right now, at least in American politics, and I wonder if you mm-hmm. feel it, it across the pond, um, that, like, kids are powerful. And, I, and like, kids, teenagers, um, yeah. you know, between some of the... the climate strikes and march for gun reform and all this stuff yeah and part of it is because like they're they've been screwed over by their about their future like they're right in, in no uncertain terms the earth they're gonna live in has some big problems coming its way yeah and i don't know if i'm older and i haven't seen it before or if we just live in an especially fucked time right now mm. um but it is really like the power that teenagers wield is dangerous and fantastic and whether Mm. it's luke like hey i'm gonna go you know force the gods to fight each other or all these teens at the end of the play being like bring on the monsters yeah we got this we know Mm. we're teens screw you um like that whatever the you know kernel inside of that is is powerful and inspiring 
Um, yeah, and it I really think is. it is interesting to see, like, Luke's dangerous, you know? It's inter- interesting to see him leave the end of the show and be like, yeah, I'm going to go do something about it. You, what are you going to do mm-hmm. about that? Um, yeah. It's cool. But it's, I, I don't know, like, yes, he's dangerous, but does he have a point? Yeah, sure. You know? Because actually, besides giving them some powers, mm-hmm. what have the gods done than other than just be distanced? And, and they get excused for it. Right. Because they're gods and they've yeah. got bigger fish to fry. Right. And I find that quite challenging because I'm like, you have bigger fish to fry, but you still chose to have some shenanigans right. with, you know, Sally Jackson. And, right. Yeah. Uh, have born a son and you can just be like well that's fine it was just for shenanigans when we're getting into like proper greek mythology here and right and, exactly you know, the gods I mean, are, are infallible in, in those eyes right. um but uh, here it's like actually he's kind of got a point like if if they didn't have to have this worry yeah. then they wouldn't need to you know people would stop being just dis- so disappointed and not have these parent figures and things like that right um he, he he has a point i think that's yeah. what i want to say it's a, like it's a complex question it's a cool it really really is you know it is it is getting into that greek mythology mythos that is i think that is one of the things that stands so distinct from a lot of our current monotheistic you know mm. v- views and philosophies and things um yeah and i think is a an interesting you know and like who knows how much scholars have made up and how much of our assessment of, you know, Greek mythology and Greek society is actually accurate. Yeah. Um, yeah. But does kind of ring as one of the things that is different between worldview then and worldview now. Um, yeah. Which is, I don't know, it's an interesting, it's cool to have a really accessible pop culture, you know, uh, uh, entry point into what is a really, really complex uh, 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 discussion of worldview and values and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, totally. And this is, like, if there ever was a sequel, like, that, this is the theme that I want them to explore. I want them to delve oh, yeah. into this kind of dichotomy of mm-hmm. Percy and Luke. And, you know, I mean, this, I might just be literally just saying the plot of the books. Like, yeah, I've sure. Never read I'm them. sure that's what but, it is, yeah they're they're fantastic polar opposites here yeah. um and very much in a sense of like sith jedi right <laughs> you know like uh slytherin gryffindor however yeah. you want to put it like they have their stakes yeah and they're so much more than just good and bad it's not exactly. Dudley do right and snidely whiplash like not at all not at all um so that's the kind of thing i'm like i I want more of that story. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's really exciting. That's fair. Well, um, and Jimmy, really I've got good news for you. There's like 17 more books. Hooray. <laughs> I actually think I will start. I think I will read them. Yeah. I think I'm this, this just shows maybe want to read them because A, I love young adult fiction. Sure. Yeah. Um, and B, I love Greek mythology. And yeah. I didn't realize how dense. Yeah. How, and how, how Greek mythology informed you know, these books were. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm so impressed. Um, so, yeah, I'm into that. Um, other things theme-wise I, I really want to kind of applaud mm-hmm. it for yeah. is the lack of a love story. Oh, 100%. It's so refreshing. Well done. Thank God. Well done. Like, oh. <laughs> it, I, why, like what, why are we making this point? Do you I know. know. I mean? 
It's why do I we have to make this point. Why do we have to be like, oh, thank goodness, there's no love story. What a strange thing to say. Love love stories are lazy writing. A love story is a lazy hook. Um, <sighs> whatever it is, and you and can find complexities to it, but already you've yeah. you know given yourself that shortcut. <clears throat> exactly, and I mean for me, whether it's because we're queer boys or not, but like. I'm always like with these heteronormative loves, I'm like, well, can't yeah. relate, so don't care. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't have buy-in. Yeah, it was one of the biggest problems I had with Be More Chill. Yes, you know, um, was that stupid, stupid love story. Like, I hate it. It yeah. really offends well, me. It, I mean, in um, the in the book, that it is the whole plot is that it, it's about the love story. Um, right, and it's a very dark, dark story, and that yeah. isn't it's not right. Same with Hansen as well. Like yeah. that's a weird, weird love story that yeah. they're spinning there. Um, well, and I'm here, just, there isn't one. I'm trying to roll through my head <sighs> musicals without love stories. <laughs> mm, title show. Uh, well, I'm sure there's <laughs> Heidi and Susan. There's something going on there. It's all I'm saying. Um, uh, there's not. A lot. There's no, yeah. There's not many. Yeah. There's not many. It, it's you know because the thing is like obviously you're dealing with human relationships and right. a very significant part of human relationship is uh, romantic love. Yeah. So it's gonna crop up in some form or other. Um. But I'm really glad it didn't crop up here. Yeah. And it could so easily. Right. Done. Well. So I think. Um, as far as research has shown me, um, by the end of the book series, they they are in love, and I think they do get together. Sure, but do they pull a, a this... Hermione and Ron? Um... <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's exactly it. Um, which is is that's fine because you've you've done five books of them being together and then being right. friends and exploring each other. Fantastic. Sure. Um, yeah. I'm so glad they didn't show it because I actually think they did it in the films. I think they pushed mm. the love story. Yeah, and again, that's one of the reasons why the fans of the books were like, uh, uh, yeah. uh, this yeah. isn't a thing. This doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad they didn't push it in yeah. the story because it's, it's so unnecessary. Yeah. It's so, una- it's always, it doesn't mean anything and it would cheapen the fuck out of Annabeth. Absolutely. It would make her so much less powerful. Um, exactly. Which sucks that that's the society we live in and how our media exists. <laughs> I know. It doesn't make it less true. Um, Not at all. And it was, it was weird because like, the first, the first time I listened to this, uh, I was waiting for it, and I was like, "Oh God, where's it gonna happen? Where's it gonna?" Right. But it didn't happen. I was like, "Oh, fantastic news!" <laughs> Pleasantly surprised. We just had a lovely story, yeah. you know, where people had platonic friendships. This is yeah. fabulous. This what never an idea. happens. I know it and never happens. I will say, it never happens in media to a disproportionate amount in which it does happen in real life. And we've just decided yes. that platonic relationships are boring and we don't oh need to tell gosh. about them. Exactly. Very frustrating. So, well done, yeah. Mr. Trace, yes. for not putting that in. <laughs> um, last thing, I just want to give a little quick shout out to a book. Is that all right, Tommy? Absolutely. If you're interested in the theme of uh, adults versus kids... Uh, it's not it's not necessarily hugely related to this, but it's a fantastic uh-huh. book and it, it I did think about it. Um it's a bit called The Ocean at the End of the Lane, which is by mm. Neil Gaiman. Okay. Uh and it might be my favorite Neil Gaiman. Fascinating. I remember reading okay. it and it totally disarmed me because yeah. 
it wasn't what I was expecting. It was on. I, I picked it up just because I really liked the cover. That was it. And I let yeah. Neil game in. Sure. Um, I got into it and I was like, this is really, really interesting. And it's just a really refreshing, very dark take mm-hmm. on adulthood versus childhood and the very much disconnect that there yeah. is there and uh, about how, you know, one should listen to the other. Yeah, sure. A lot more than they probably do because yeah. each can benefit from each. Yeah. Um yeah, and I just wanted to plop that in there because yeah. I think that as a theme it does exist in Percy Jackson. It's not like the yeah. kids are right because that's kind of proven by Percy. Right. Yeah, but not it's, uh, agreeing with Luke and being like actually wait, you've got a really good yeah. point. It's he like, comes to the conclusion of like I get my dad's messed up. Right. Yeah. The but the world that's, is complex that's, that's and the, we're all yeah. kind of screwy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And he comes to that conclusion. So, yeah, I yeah, just wanted to drop that out there if people well, like books. And it is interesting in, I don't know if this is art imitating life or life imitating mm-hmm. art, but do you want to talk about the tweet? The tweet. I love that. That's funny. It's one foot forward at a time. Dust off all that grinning grind. We still got a lot left to do. Because people are counting on us and I'm counting on you. I'm sorry, I'm far too key. <laughs> yeah, how are you going to make the rest of that song? <laughs> uh, um, the tweet. That's funny that you've called it the tweet. You should capitalize that. I'm just going to capitalize uh, that right now. All right. Important. The tweet. So, uh, Percy Jackson, the musical, has perhaps one of the best uh, social media Twitter <laughs> managers of any musical I've ever seen. Let's applaud Mix Thief. It Let's is applaud Mix Thief. It is on. Like it, it really is. You can like it, reacting to every meme of the day, whatever it is, in a way that doesn't feel like like Wendy's does this too, but not effectively. Um, mm. Like there are other social media accounts that are well lauded on the internet that like, oh, you're doing something stupid now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because of that madness, but like the Percy Jackson Twitter is on. And so the show premiered two weeks ago and got some mixed reviews. And I want to read both of these tweets in full because I think Mm -hmm. it is interesting. So after opening, they got some not specifically uh, not very uh, great review in the New York Times um, called The Lightning Thief, A Far Cry from Olympus, a musical adaptation of the popular fantasy novel comes to Broadway and goes to Hades. Um, Primarily in response to that, the Twitter account tweeted the following. Probably the funniest part of the bad reviews we got is all the hand-rigging over, quote, too many whiny teens. You know, considering that cishet, middle-aged white men having crises over their adult life choices is the bread and butter of the serious American theater canon. And they replied to that, saying, we're not blanket-dragging critics here, and if you check the receipts, you'll see we supported critics just doing their job literally this morning. 
We're pointing out how silly it is to critique a family show based on a middle grade book as though it's trying to be high art, TM. <laughs> Which, there's a lot to unpack there, I think. There is. I also think, I think it's worth prefacing it with the first tweet they put out. Um, and this was the morning of. Yes. Pre-Fallout. Where they said, good morning, demigods. Let's talk reviews. We know y'all are upset about them. And the instinct is to be mad at the critics. But here's the thing. A critic's job isn't to tell you if art is good or bad. It's to help you understand how you may experience that art. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the critics pretty much did that. Both the negative and the positive reviews we got talked about the scrappiness of the show, the faithfulness of the book, the fact that it's geared towards young people and families, all true things. We're not for everybody. That's okay. We can waste time being upset at critics for doing their jobs, or we can all invest our time in making sure that the people our show is for know that it's here for them. Yeah. And then they do a quote from the show. Um, and I think that's an interesting preface yeah. to what came after. Yes. It is all... I, I think even before getting into the weeds, I think it's worth it to say that I agree with what they've said here. Yeah. It does make it really hard for people like us to talk about this show. Like, this is a really disarming tweet. <clears throat> because we're critics, right? Whether we want to be or not. Yeah, absolutely. And this, and we're not teens. And I think we try really hard, sometimes maybe too hard, to connect with the teen experience. Um, and so it is hard to still maintain a critical eye about this show when this is a thought that exists in the universe. You know, I guess the, the question I'm wrestling with is, is it ever okay? And they, they qualify it. They're not blanking, blanket dragging critics. Yeah. But I don't know. It is hard to be critical of critics in an effective way. Well, yeah, because it's like, if all the things were positive... Yeah, they wouldn't have said this. They wouldn't have said this. Right. They would have been like, what a great review we got from the New York Times. Exactly. Critics really know what they're talking about. Like, it'd be that kind of thing. Um, I, it's interesting because, yeah, I think it's, it's picky choosy. Yeah. Because there's lots of... In, in reply, you know, if you read through all the replies, I've read through every single one mm -hmm. to this tweet. Um, they, there's a lot of, uh, as far as I can tell from their Twitter bios, <laughs> uh, cishet white males. Yeah. Uh, they might not be middle-aged. They didn't put their age. Um, but they're certainly not teenagers. Right. Um, who love this show and yeah. who call out in support of it. Lots of... Um, mothers in yeah. support of the show yeah um it's <clears throat> and then i look at us right right you know who the fuck um, are we who that well who the fuck are we but also well to be honest you know we study this shit yeah i we're you know i don't it sounds weird to toot your own horn but like we're i would wager closer to an honest reviewer as based on the criteria they've put out than the cishet middle-aged white men right now the thing is is like i'm sure we could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with ben bradley and he would punch us in the noggin absolutely uh, but the thing is is like 
we we know our like we do know about musical theater like no one can really deny that and i'm sure ben bratley also knows things about musical theater. yeah absolutely but he's a journalist right um and he has an agenda yeah and i think that's where this whole argument comes into play yes. it's not it's not the criticism no it's the journalism it's a critique of what is be- very quickly becoming an antiquated way of looking at this art form. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need, I, you know, th- I got nervous saying the sentence, but I think I absolutely believe it. We don't need mm. newspaper critics anymore. We don't. I mean, in the traditional uh, sense, I think they can go. In the, tradi- in the traditional sense of them being the be all and end all, the yeah. full stop on, you know, are you a good show? Are you a bad show? We don't need that anymore. No. I don't think we do. I don't think it serves anyone. Um, no. You know, because our art has gotten, like, <laughs> there weren't, until the, the high, there, you can watch my old High School Musical conspiracy video, right? Yeah. Until High School Musical, there weren't musicals for teens. And we have musicals for teens now. But yeah. we don't have teenage newspaper critics anymore. Um, no. And I think, you know, the, this Twitter account is saying, in no uncertain terms, this show is not for you. Mm-hmm. Get get over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think critics do a good job of... I don't think traditional newspaper journalist critics do as good of a job as some people like us or some other people, you know, more like contemporary uh, digital media analysts of doing a mm-hmm. good job of saying, like, I see who this musical is for. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking a lot about this because, like, I get dragged a lot um, around SpongeBob. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and now they're uh, filming it, and so it's all come back to my Twitter um, <laughs> about people, like, you know, sending the subtweets, like, does Musical Mash know? And, like, I get right. it. And I, I play into that because it's fun, as I think yeah. some critics do, right? They yes, play up the drama uh, of this because that's the fun of it. But, yep. you know, if you read the receipts about SpongeBob, about Frozen, about some of these things that I've had umbrage with, universally, I always hold the opinion about, like, this show might not be for me. Um, mm-hmm then that doesn't mean it's not for you um, or for a different audience. And journalists write from a position of, I am the opinion of everyone, which is the Lightning Thieves first preface tweet. Critics tell you how you might view it, which I think that's a thing more informed theater connoisseurs have believed and said, but is not... A, you know, is not a preface at the top of this New York Times article, right? No. You look at some of the other ones. I think the, um, the I think it's the Vulture review, mm. um, which is uh, a little more favorable, um, mm-hmm. but it has something. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, your degree of enjoyment of the Lightning Thief will probably depend upon your feelings about the toilet paper, which is a pretty neat stand-in for the rest of this scrappy, loudly eager to please show. Yeah. That is a much more appropriate sentence. Mm-hmm. Like, your opinion of this will depend on how much you like this thing. Yeah. And that is closer to what we're pretending critics are supposed to do, but is not what the New York Times critic has done. It's no. not what, generally speaking, a lot of these more old-school-style cishet white men have done. Yeah. Yep, um, yep, yep. So, on, on that count, like... I hope this dialogue continues. I'm interested to see the throwdown. Um, you know, the the first time a show says no to a review that's positive, um, yeah, that will be a milestone. Which that I, is, 
could be in the cards. An, that's an important milestone to get, I think. Um, now, when that milestone probably should have happened was Hansen. Sure. Um, but it, it didn't, because obviously. Um, <clears throat> now, I think, yeah, if, if we think about what happened with Be More Chill, um, mm-hmm. obviously the reviews weren't, weren't positive again. Um, and there was a similar kind of outcry. Yeah. Um, not, I would say, actually, to be honest, it, it didn't feel as strong by the time it got to Broadway. Sure. And I don't know what changed there. Yeah. Um, but uh, the way that uh, Be More Chill reacted mm-hmm. is very, very different to the way that Lightning Thief reacted. Yes. Yes. And I think that's crucial. Yeah. When I will say, uh, when I was talking with actual real life teens this weekend, mm-hmm. um, we were also just generally shooting the shit around musicals. Um, and, you know, they, the kids I teach don't know my secret musical theater life, right? They don't know yeah. that I could rattle off the lyrics to just about anything. Um, right. And one of them asked, like, have you listened to Beetlejuice? And I went, I have. And he went, God, I'd really, really like that show. Yeah. Um, which was a really interesting thing to me because I don't think I... If you just asked me, I don't think I like Beetlejuice. I think there are parts of it I enjoy. On the whole, I don't. It is a show that has reached critical acclaim, certainly. And one that is super popular in that kind of teen demographic. Um, There's all these articles right now about how Beetlejuice is taking over TikTok, which is a fascinating happening. Um, Absolutely. Like, it is the, the, the meme show of the future. And it is this interesting question of, like, I also wonder... Who, like, we're the people doing the hand-wringing about the critic reviews. Mm -hmm. I think so many kids have just moved past that. How many teens even look up a review in the New York Times? Like, certainly theater kids who know that this is a thing that maybe they should care about. But Mm -hmm. not kids who want to go see The Lightning Thief. And so, like, no. the, the meta-analysis around this almost feels like the analysis is finally catching up to the reality of it. Um, exactly. But because so much of the business is founded on the opinions of the, this old-school ideal, it mm-hmm. doesn't, it's, not a good, it's not doing a good job of uh, uh, keeping up with the trends with agility, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, like, when you post your closing notice... Are you doing it on account of the New York Times review or your TikTok watches? Um, right. Like, and perhaps Be More Chill would still be open. Exactly. And I think it, what I think will be quite interesting with Lightning Thief mm-hmm. to see as, as it progresses yeah. is its ticket prices. Mm, yes. Which they've made, a, they've made a huge push to keep tickets cheap. They absolutely have. And my goodness, my hat flies off to them because like that is fantastic. And, you know, you're getting orchestra seats for $40. I can't remember the last time I saw a show advertised at that. Like, for goodness sake. Yeah. Incredible. Um, And what that is doing is it's making it accessible to the audience that it has. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying like there are all the kids in New York walk around $40 sticking at their pocket. But it's a lot more manageable than $160. Yeah, exactly. Right. When I do, to, to your point, I wonder... Because this is this is the struggle, and I experience this with like, you know, I teach kids art, and I experience this with teenage artists all the time. Is that yep. they do have their aesthetic? They know I like be more chill. They know mm-hmm. I like the Lightning Thief, but they yeah. haven't quite gotten the vocabulary of why 
yet. Yes. Um, and it is so exciting to watch them do that and help them be able to do that and like challenge yeah. them to do that. But in that in between, it makes it really hard. You know, it's why we don't have. I don't know. Maybe we do. Um, it's why I think it is more difficult to find articulate teenage theater reviewers mm -hmm. because they just haven't reached that point yet. And maybe I'm yeah. doing some, you know, millennial older age minimizing here. <laughs> um, and that I, I'm sure, I, like you know, to say that there's none is is obviously right. silly. Like sure, a hundred percent. But I've I've really really tried to find some. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, Lightning Thief has been making such a call for non-critics, yeah. non-old cis white uh, men yeah. to uh, write reviews and yeah. write their opinions of the show. Um, and I've kind of poured through them yeah. as much as I possibly can. And I've yet to find one where they've said, like, I love it because of this. Right. Yeah. Other than I love it because of the way it makes me feel. Right. And it does right? not not to minimize that it makes you feel good or to think that you don't love it because it's doing something good. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that isn't being critical. Right. Which is that isn't being a critic. It's such a hard thing to it I it was a hard thing for us to get to. I mean yeah. and like we do this basically professionally now. Um if you listen to me if you listen oh, to yeah. me, what was our like even our Hamilton, like our Hamilton episode is ridiculous. The whole thing we is are, like, Oh, I love this and I love that, and don't you love this and don't you love yeah, that? We have built a secluded dwelling inside Le Manuel Miranda's arsehole in that episode. <laughs> like <laughs> Which you're since vacated, right. but do you know what I mean, and it is, it's, it's, it's because you are, you know, it's it's fun to love something, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, of course and you, it is, and you want to share that you with people, tell, and that's the thing is like, you, when you're a critic, if even if you, if you feel really passionately about it, you want to persuade people into that, yeah. If someone's just telling me, oh my god, I love it so much because oh my god, this makes me feel like this, blah, 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 I'm like, I can't relate to that because that's yeah. your feelings you're telling me about. So how am I going to get on board? Yeah. I think that might be one of the most difficult human skills is to tell someone else why you think they would enjoy something. Exactly. And and when you're a critic and you're telling you everyone, know, everyone, yeah. and you don't know everyone. Right. That's quite tricky. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's a tricky thing. Yeah. So um, I kind of like this mass media approach that that lightning thief is taking here yeah. and i feel like it's not really something i've seen i i feel like be more chill didn't do it no um i think well and this is the you'll you'll pardon the comparison but this is mm. the the difference between the lightning thief's twitter account and spongebob's twitter account right uh, um and like what it what is so fascinating to me i know a surprising number of people who work in professional social media yeah. um we these they're like varying terms for this sort of stuff like you run um you're one of the people who runs american airlines twitter account or mm -hmm. budweiser's twitter account or yeah. the twitter account for spongebob the musical and it's hard enough to keep up with something on the internet but then to keep up with something on the internet that feels authentic and mm -hmm. part of the voice of what you're trying to create um you know you scroll through the spongebob twitter and some of their more egregious posts, you know, even like this one here, it's um, uh, original costume renderings of the show. And it's a yellow heart emoji. And then it says these costume sketches and then another yellow heart emoji. Like they're they're trying to evoke some kind of teen voice here. Voice, uh-huh. But it's just kind of abstract. It could easily say, look at these costume sketches, right? Yeah, exactly. Which is 
different. They're they're trying to put a different veil on it, and I don't think succeeding. Um, yeah. Which, whereas I think the Lightning Thief Twitter, because it can bounce back and forth between some like real legit deep cut internet memes. Mm-hmm. To probably the funniest part of all the bad reviews we got is all the hand rigging over too many whiny teens. Mm-hmm. That's a thing a teenager would actually say. Um, mm-hmm. Like it is speaking to their audience yeah. directly in their own but voice. Not in a like lol. Uh, I, I can't speak like a teenager anymore. But like not in a like ha ha ha. I can't speak. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's not. It's not. Yes. Like, the it's it's in, in a uh, teenage voice. It's Steve Buscemi, fellow kids, backwards turn, right. like yeah. skateboard over the back. It's, like no, 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 no. It's no. just like it's it's professionally written. Yeah, but from a like a, a weird perspective. Yeah, you fully know? fully understanding the the teen world, and that you know is a difficult tightrope to walk. It's so difficult. It's so, so difficult. Because that thing is like, we are reading this and we sympathize and empathize with this. I'm not like, that is some person who's just like, oh, spaffing right. away on a, a Twitter thing. Yeah. Um, and I totally respect that. Uh, I want to I wanna pick out mm-hmm. just a, a little bit that they talk about and have this discussion with you because sure. I'm, I am intrigued to see what you think. Um, so it's the last paragraph mm-hmm. uh, where they say, we're pointing out how silly it is to critique a family show based on a middle grade book as though it's trying to be high art. Yeah, I this this paragraph is a problem for me. Especially because of the capitalized H, capitalized A in the trademark sign. I, well, this is I think this is our crusade, right? Is that yeah. Percy Jackson is high art. And Why the, isn't it high art? Why shouldn't it be high and art? And the, the problem is our preconceived notions of what high art is. Exactly. Not like they've they've got it twisted. Um, you know, as because do, the thing as do journalists, right? Yeah, completely. Because the thing is, is and you go through the comments and the other tweets and replies and everything like that, and um, it, a lot of the examples that they pull of like these people only care about Phantom of the Opera, right? And Phantom, I'm like, Phantom of the okay. Opera is pish, like it's so pish. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? It's to to say that Phantom of the Opera is regarded as high art right and lightning thief is some like i don't know kids romp yeah we it's it's quite silly i think like we've we've lost like and i think that and they've done something so clever here like capital h capital high you know art Mm. tm emoji Mm. is because that that is the contemporary version of what we assume to be high art if we if we go back to basics if we go back to term like High art is anything that's not dick button fart jokes, right? Like but even then. Yeah, but like that's you know <laughs> when used appropriately and when used successfully. But that's I'll take a dick joke. But that's the that is the intended difference, right? Is that the three stooges are low art. I see what you mean. Right? Yes. Like, sorry, okay, this yes. Is actually the category we're talking about, right? Yes. And not that low art is lesser. Like, if we're talking you know, that definition of low art, high art. Three Stooges is low art. Opera is high art. If we're talking the more contemporary opinion of what high art is, I think Three Stooges is absolutely high art. It's the best absolutely. slapstick of its kind. Pinnacle. Yeah. Absolute you know, pinnacle. I Love Lucy. Like, all of these, you know, <sighs> absolute peak examples yeah. of their art form 
are what we now consider high art. But yeah. because the definition is twisted and is this hybrid thing, it, you know, it makes me nervous. Because, because that's, mm. Hello Dolly is high art, but is fluff, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Mary Poppins. Sure, yeah. That shit is high art. Yeah, it's beautiful. Right? It's a Disney show yeah. about a nanny based on kids' books. Adapted from a children's book. The similarities of Percy Jackson shouldn't go unmissed. Absolutely. Abs uh, Harry Potter and the Curse of Child is revolutionary, groundbreaking, Absolutely. high art. Yeah. I guess it might not be the most, you know, complex, interesting play, but the, the, right. the, the groundbreaking things that they're doing in yeah. that theatre yeah. is and, incredible. And it's high art. Um, and that's... And I, this, I, you, you go, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, like, it's, it's, it is, it's, it's so, so many things are conflated here. And yeah. also this idea that, like, um, uh, I don't know, there's something about this where I'm like, um, teenagers shouldn't be interested in high art. There's yeah. something where it's, it's talking, it's, it, it's using high art here as this kind of, like, and kind of inflammatory yeah like th this right? like ivory tower fortress this like oh you know those cisette white men right are only interested in high art when they're right. meaning like these highbrow shows and i'm like well actually that isn't even true right. yeah but this so this is the thing about this tweet right is this a marketing tweet you know is this in is this intentional I don't. Is is what intentional about it? That it is because this whole show is about yeah we're teens, screw you right. Mm -hmm. That's the mm -hmm. thesis of this show, and I guess the thing is like, is this an exact reaction to what has happened? Is it what it says on the tin? Mm -hmm. Is that they're kind of whinging about the state of critics today, mm -hmm. or? Is this some, like, calculated nine-dimensional chess, like, we can do great things while also minimizing this review if we capitalize on our, like, anarchist teen philosophy that underscores the entire existence of this show? Mm. And I think it's both or either or, you yeah. know, like that's what makes the whole thing so clever is that the mm -hmm. whole thing has entirely deflated any critic's opinion of this show, any negative yeah, critic's completely. opinion, because pretty much all of the ones who anyone would read are going to be a cishet middle-aged white man. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. it's, but I don't know. So what is, what is it? What is it that I'm struggling with here? Because yeah, it, them defining themselves is completely within their rights to define themselves sure. and fantastic they define themselves at as a family show yeah based on a middle grade book um but like i wish and what i'm see what i'm seeing a lot of and again in the tweets and replies sorry to repeat myself but like um is that there's you know there's the percy jacksons and there's the be more chills right and the heathers um and then there's kind of everything else you know you've got your your phantoms and your yeah uh, bands visits and things like that but if we look at something like great comet mm -hmm. right great comet had a massive teen following yeah it, sure it wasn't as big as beetlejuice but it was a massive teen following yeah and now, by a drive-by would be high art in a hot second 
right? In a, the hottest of seconds. I've not seen high art like that on Broadway yeah. adapted, in a long, long time. Adapted from War and Peace. This Literally m- War and Peace. Multifaceted like, opera. Right, exactly. I <sighs> think if I could rewrite their last paragraph for them, mm-hmm. it would be something along the lines of, we're pointing out how silly it is that critics have a conception of what high art is supposed to be and we're not invited to that table. Yeah. Like which I think is what they're saying. Like I don't yep. I don't think that intent isn't there, but the the devil is in the details. Like mm-hmm. Percy Jackson is high art. Musical theater is high art. It's high art. You know, like the, the, it, 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 because you thought about it. And that it at this point is kind of the prize to entry. Did you yeah. do, have you done it twice? And even then, I think some improv is high art. Some, yeah, um, completely. Like, so I, you know, I don't disagree with them. I'm glad this discourse is happening. Um, yeah. It is. I, I even would not even say glad. I love that this discourse is happening. This is absolutely. This is everything to me. Like, I want to. I want cool s- stuff. I want someone to cross stitch this tweet and like, I'll hang it on my wall. <laughs> like, yeah. yes, please drag them. Um, you know, I, I mean it when I was in Chicago, some of the local Chicago theater scene, I'm glad I am not as close to it anymore because it would just make me so angry all the time. Um, there were a slew of like, you know, boomer generation, um, critics who would go see shows that weren't for them and take umbrage with things that they found uncomfortable and like do things like misgender people in reviews, like just like base level, like, ah, screw you do better. You know, you're supposed to be the fucking expert. Um, you're the journalist. Yeah. Get your facts right. Learn, learn something. Um, Mm -hmm. and so like in general, I am all about, yeah, drag the old media critics. They got to learn. They got to catch up or be left behind just like the rest of their dying media. Um, yeah, you know, and I I, get... I'm done justifying like, oh, but you know, the newspapers are the founder, like blah 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 blah. Great, keep up. Yeah, exactly. Just change. Yeah, you know, it's why they run like t- top ten best things, and they've got their own little picture on Snapchat. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. There's somebody out there running that, so why can't keep, why can't critics keep up with keep it? Up with that? I did a. You know I mean, only as a. Uh, I forget what I was looking up. There was something. Um, I think I was writing an email. Mm-hmm. Um, and just trying to find, you know, the best way to write something. Um, mm-hmm. and have you ever been in a BuzzFeed style guide? Uh, no, I've not been on BuzzFeed style guide. Oh, no. best one. Highly recommend it. Throw okay. away all of your other style guides to put them in the trash. Um, okay. like BuzzFeed style guide will tell you the same things that like, you know, AP or MLA will, um, uh-huh. but will also tell you like, uh, when, when to capitalize Fortnite or not. Um, or the okay. the correct spelling of Harry Potter spells, um, uh, or like, and then some important important stuff. Um, you know, like uh, don't use homophobic. Um, that's not a that's a word we should avoid because you're not afraid yeah. of gay people. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, and like how to how to deal with um, uh, deal with the ro- the wrong word. How to honor um you know trans folks names and naming conventions mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. appropriate stuff around using pronouns or non-binary pronouns or like how to do that in a way that is effective in the written word um mm-hmm. and like comparing that to some apa shit uh like yeah. it leaves it in the dust um yeah, and I is like a sign and like, like 
say what you want about BuzzFeed. Like, I, you know, don't need to mm. take a quiz to find out which muffin I am. Um, <laughs> but their, their journalistic side is agile and developing and has its own problems, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but is an example that you can do this stuff right. Uh, yeah. You know, and like, yeah, throw away your newspapers, you know? Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Um, so I just want to end mm-hmm. uh, with this tweet. By Robert Kiki. Best name ever. (laughs) Uh, So this was just before uh, opening night. Mm -hmm. And he says, don't know what the future will bring, but fiercely proud there's a scrappy imaginative show on Broadway that is for many their first exposure to theatre. Celebrates friendship, smart girls and taking agency to make change and is a place boys can feel empathy and vulnerability. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's great. What a man. What a show. Bring on the real world. There'll be times when your faith is shaking. Tommy. Hey, Jimmy. That was the lightning thief. It was. The Percy Jackson musical. I'm glad, I'm glad we talked about this one. <laughs> yeah, that was really nice. That was really nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, love. Um, you ready for the next? I'm excited. Give Yet me that trivia one. question. Okay. According to legend, at the rap party for the movie adaptation of this musical... It was either Maureen Stapleton or Paul Lind who stood up and said to one of the leading female actresses, I want you to know that I'm the only person who worked on this film who doesn't want to fuck you. (laughs) What's the musical? Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can find our show Twitter or Instagram. We're Jim and Tomic, J-I-M-A-N-D-T-O-M-I-C. Or you can join the Reddit discussion. Links are in the show notes in your podcatcher right now or over at JimandTomic.com. 
And while you're there, you can check out our Patreon if you would like to financially support the show. And as ever, we love our current patrons more than anything else. You guys are helping us out a big, big bunch. Absolutely. Um, but also, if you don't want to do that, giving us a little review on Apple Podcasts is always extremely helpful. But one of the most helpful things is just telling your friends about our show. We've got a bunch of new listeners. Welcome, everyone. Keep yes, the word going. Hey. Tell someone new about our show. Yeah, do it, make it a daily task. You wake up in the morning and you say, who am I going to tell today tell about Jim and Tomic's musical theater happy person, hour? Pull, a, pull an Ebenezer Scrooge and open your window and go, you there, boy! Have you listened to Jim and Tomic's musical <laughs> theater happy theater. hour? They just did a podcast on anyone can whistle. <laughs> You'll understand that. <laughs> now go down to the store and get me the biggest turkey you can. Exactly. Always make sure you finish it uh, with that sentence. Uh, but hey, that's all for this time. Thank you for listening. And cheers! Cheers! Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists. What they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. The, the one about mints is really good. <laughs> I don't even remember the one about Mensa. Hang on. Let, no, no. What did you just say? Mensa? What did you just, no, I said mince. Oh. <laughs>